Good morning, church. It's good to see you all this morning. And this morning we are continuing our series of a transformed life. And we're going to look at another discipleship practice that can help us live as transformed people. Not a people that are stagnant people, not a people that are stagnant in their spiritual growth. We don't want to be no different to the world around us, but we want to be a people who are transformed and ready and willing to be vessels of God, of God's work, His redemptive work in the world around us. And so last week, uh, Pastor Pete introduced the series and he spoke on welcoming strangers. And this week, we're going to look at the practice of discernment and how we can know God's will and how we can know what is true. Our world, and especially our online world is, and our social media world, at the moment is obsessed by this, by what is true and by what is not true. And because often people disagree about what is true. Three weeks ago, uh, Joe Biden, the US president, set up a so-called Ministry of Truth, uh, which would be a federal governance board designed to combat online disinformation. So it was designed to be able to decide what was fact and what was fiction, what was true, what was not true. Currently, this board has been put on hold, but its intent was to govern truth. Online, everyone has something to say but few people are willing to listen, and even few are willing to practice discernment. So online isn't the only place we need to be practicing discernment. Of course, it's in our conversations with each each other. It's in our everyday life we need to be practicing discernment. And this is probably one of the most common conversations I have as a pastor, is often about discernment. Because at some point in our lives, And often in transitional moments in our lives, we often ask questions like, what is God's will for my life? Who who really am I? What should I do with my life? What is it God's will for me to study? Who does God want me to marry or date? What career path should I take? What should I do now that I'm retired? These types of questions are indicating a desire to practice discernment. And it's through discernment we're able to see the direction God wants us to go in and to gain an understanding of God's will for our lives. But it's not only in these big life events that require discernment. Whilst it might be these ones get the airtime in your prayers, it's also in the everyday circumstances. So in a sense, discernment is like a spiritual compass. It helps us navigate our lives with godly wisdom, enabling us to make good and right choices. And this morning, we're going to look at what it means to practice discernment. During the lockdowns last year, I installed Flight Simulator on my computer. (laughs) It's uh, this very realistic Uh, plane flight simulation with all the controls and conditions of just like a real plane. It's incredible. You can take off from any airport in the world and fly to any place in the world. Um, And even the weather is simulated in real time. So if it's raining outside here and I take off from Melbourne Airport, it's raining on the game as well. Um, You know, at the beginning I tried 
to, to fly without any real understanding of planes. Um, I didn't understand what the instruments meant, and I, I crashed a lot. I couldn't even take off. It was, it was, a, it was a disaster. But the more I practiced... And the more I began to understand the plane's instruments and what the little dials and symbols and, and numbers meant, the better I got at flying. There was this one flight where I found myself just surrounded in cloud. And I couldn't see anything. And I just had to look at the, the airspeed indicator, the altitude indicator to show the pitch of the aircraft, and the altimeter to show the, my height above sea level and the heading indicator to show what direction I was going on. I was just looking at these, these gauges. I was like, well, this is boring. Um, so I got impatient. I didn't want to be in this storm. I wanted to fly above the storm rather than sitting watching these gauges, these instruments. So I decided to climb, climb altitude and to get over this cloud. Little did I know I was in like a really small plane that can't go very high. Um, and so the plane stalled, and then I crashed, and that was sad. Um, and then I never was like, I'm done with this game. I'm never playing it again. I think navigating the complexities of our lives is a lot like piloting a plane in a storm cloud. To use discernment is to rely on our instruments that tell us if we're going in the right direction. See, discernment isn't relying on our intuitions. Discernment doesn't confirm our own biases. Discernment doesn't confirm our thoughts and feelings. It actually directs us. And I think it's in the storms of life where we're quickest not to discern. We just want to get out of there. We just want to get out of the hardship. Avoid the painful situations. So we just look for the nearest exit and just go for it. But a transformed life will, in these moments, in faith, will practice discernment and rely on our instruments. Whatever situation of the storms of life you might be facing today, God invites us to the practice of discernment. But discernment isn't easy because life is complex. Making good and right choices are not always easy. We need to practice discernment so we can navigate the storms of life well, so that we don't burn out, so that we don't get crushed by grief, so that you know, we are like the houses that are built on the rock, solid foundation, so that you know, when the storms come, we don't collapse. We're not the house built on the sand. And so to do this, we need to understand, firstly, that the way of God is actually completely the opposite to the way of the world. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 31 says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. So there is the wisdom of God and there is the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of God looks foolish, looks dumb to the world. Even think about God's salvation plan. In the eyes of the world, what a foolish way to save the world, to come and die. 
Jesus describes this upside-down wisdom in his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus describes those who are blessed by God. It's not the rich. It's not the famous. It's not the person with influence. What does he say in Matthew 5, 3 to 6? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. A blessed life, according to the Bible, is is not what we would expect and is not what is according to the world. So if we fly our planes of life by looking out the window, by our intuition, by relying on our own efforts, we're going to make choices by the wisdom of the world. To live life, a transformed life, we need to look at our instruments, practice discernment so that we can live according to the wisdom of God. So how do, you, how do we do that? How do, how do we practically look at our instruments in everyday life? How do we navigate our life by the wisdom of God? So this morning I want to suggest five practical things. won't be too long. Five practical things that, uh, and, and um, attitudes that we can do and take on board to be able to discern the wisdom of God. Firstly, number one is through experiment and practice. To grow in discernment, we actually need to train it. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So discernment is a fruit of maturity. And this isn't maturity in age, but maturity in your faith. So the more mature you are, the more you're going to be able to discern wisely. And this is done by looking at situations and trying to figure out, well, what is evil and what is good? Distinguishing between good and evil. Think about it like this. Like, think about like if our world was just a bundle of harvested wheat plants. And in this bundle, there is chaff and there is wheat grain. And the grain needs to be separated from the chaff. So whenever we read something, whenever we hear something, whenever we're given a choice or or consider a situation, we're given a bundle of wheat plants that we need to separate. We need to take the grain, we need to take the good stuff and reject the chaff, which is evil. Or it's like eating a lamb chop. You chew on the meat, but you've got to spit out the bones. You don't chew the bones and swallow them. That would... Do terrible things to your teeth. Um, But we have to practice doing these things. And we're not going to get it right every time. But the more we try, the better we get at it. You know, even if you're unsure about stepping into something new, sometimes it's okay just to try it out and see. First, you might need to ask yourself, well, is this sinful? Would I be okay doing this if Jesus was in the room? But if, if it's not that obvious... If it's a choice between some good things or some neutral things, maybe it's just good just to go for it and just to try. So to grow in wisdom, we need to practice discernment and train ourselves in it and give things a go. 
experiment. Number two is to align ourselves to God's reality. So when we practice discernment, we are seeking God's perspective on what is good and what is evil. And we need to recognize that we are culturally influenced by what we think is good and evil. Like by what our family thinks, by what our friends think, what what celebrities think, but what politicians think. And we all exist inside a culture. There's no escaping our cultural lens. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But when we are aware of it, we can might just see God's perspective a little bit more clearly. And God has created our universe with a design, with an order, with a way that things work in harmony. But we've wrecked it. Humanity, the sin of humanity has wrecked it and distorted God's world. And this means that we are trying to constantly trying to define good and evil for ourselves. But we have to let God define what is good and evil. That's not our job to define good and evil. That's God's job. And this radically changes the way that we think when it comes to discerning God's will for our lives. You know, for centuries, it was common belief that the sun, the moon, the stars all orbited around the earth, that the earth was the center of the universe. Nicholas Copernicus, a mathematician and astronomer, was one of the first. I think there were people that went before him as well, but one of the first who proposed that the sun was, in fact, the center of the universe in about the 15th century. What a shock it must have been for people. What? Humanity isn't the center of the universe? What? When we discern, we need to remember that God is at the center of our universe, not us. It shouldn't be revolving around us. We need to remember that God is the author of life. He determines right from wrong. He created all things for himself. And our lives are to bring him glory. While discernment is a very personal and intimate thing, as we seek to align ourselves to God, it's also very communal. And this brings me to our third point, learning from and leaning on community. Because we can't discern effectively in a vacuum. We actually need to talk to other people. We need godly friends, mentors, people who can speak to what, what we're discerning. Because we don't have all the answers. And that's okay. And it's important to listen and learn from those around us and also those who have gone before us. We, that means we need to give weight to tradition. We need to listen to the church fathers because as we understand how they sought to distinguish between good and evil, we can grow in our capacity for discernment as well. Sometimes you might find yourself in a situation with no clarity. You know, it's not cheating to re- if you rely on the wisdom of godly people. It's actually smart to learn from others. And doing that is actually wise in itself. You see, it's, it's not like high school where you can't copy answers and just like, oh, yeah, I see, 15, oh, that's the answer. Uh, it's not like that where you just have to figure it out for yourself. No, no, no. If the source is good, copying is encouraged. If you see the fruit of the Spirit oozing out of someone, copy them. You know, there's actually a biblical term for this. 
It's called discipleship. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Learning from and leaning on community is important as we seek to navigate life by the wisdom of God. Number four is ask God questions. So when in prayer and reflection, we'll often be self-centered. And it actually kind of comes from a place of entitlement, that God owes it to me, to make me reach my full potential. And our questions we take to God are often I uh, our questions that we take to God that are I questions. And it, it might sound like, God, how am I going to fix this? What can I do to make an impact? How can I use my gifts? While these I questions are not bad in themselves, it's actually not the foundation to biblical discernment. Because I questions are all about what I can do. But we have to shift our focus. We have to shift our focus to what God is doing and ask God questions. Questions like, God, what are you doing in this situation? God, what are you doing in this problem? How can you make an impact through me? How can you use the gifts and abilities you have given me? See, this is a different shift. To discern God's will, we need to ask God-centered questions of him, not I-centered questions. Finally, number five is to listen to the promptings of the Spirit. Because God is already at work in us, in our world. We just need to get on board. The Holy Spirit is constantly nudging us, convicting us, and equipping us to step out in faith into what God is already doing. Knowing the right thing to do and knowing God's will is actually only half the way. The other half is being obedient with what you know, trusting in God's will, stepping into God's will, even when there's a bit of fear there, even when you might not know how it's going to pan out even when you're not sure about the response you're going to get. So we need to be more aware of the Spirit's promptings because God is already at work. We just need to get on board. You know, it's, it's in moments like, does someone or something oddly catch your attention, just strangely, out of the blue? That's an opportunity to ask, God, are you drawing my attention to this for a reason? Is there something you want me to do here? Do I need to leave my comfortable conversation here and go speak to that person? Is that what, what, what you're saying? Or in the midst of a conversation where, where someone's going through some hard stuff they might be sharing, and you might respond with, yep, I'll, I'll, pray for you. I'll be praying for you. And nine times out of ten, if we're really honest, we'll forget to pray for them. But maybe that's the Spirit's prompting to pray for them. So maybe just stop then and there. And pray for them right then and there. Or have you, have you stopped to pay attention why God has made you the way that you are? Why God has given you the specific gifts and passions that God has given you? It's because you've actually, every single one of us have a unique 
something unique to contribute to the kingdom of God. So what is God doing in that? How does he want to use that through you? Holy Spirit is prompting us all the time. We just need to be aware. We need to listen. And then we need to be obedient. So these are the five, just five ways that we can start practicing discernment and grow in wisdom. The first one, through experiment and practice, by seeking to align ourselves to God's reality, learning from and leaning on community, asking God questions, not I questions, and listening to the promptings of the Spirit. If I was your co-pilot and I watched you pilot your life, what would I see? Would I see you madly panicking? That you're not sure where you're going? Would I see you fixated on something out the window? Would I see you just trying to do what you've seen on TV or read in a book? Would I see you flying to a, according to how you're feeling that day? Or would I see you using your instrument? Would I see you practicing discernment? If I was your co-pilot, what would I see? What is one of these five things that resonates with you? Which of one of these five things could you try out or give more emphasis to this week? Seriously think about it. What is one of these five things that resonates with you? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to turn to the person next to you just now and tell them which one it is that you're going to focus on this week or try out this week. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to share with the person next to you which one of these five ways that you're going to focus on and embrace that will help us all to practice discernment. Why don't we pray? Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, God, that your foolishness is wiser than the world's wisdom. God, help us to pay attention to your Holy Spirit. Help us to revolve our universe around you. Help us to ask God questions. God, may we be a discerning people, a transformed people. Help us to live consistently with the way of you. Help us to align our hearts with your hearts. 
God, thank you that you are a relational God, that you speak to us and we can know you. We can hear your will. So God, we pray that you would be helping us this week to practice discernment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.